Welcome to Defen episode number 69. I think this is where Ray, yeah, I, I expect some comment from you. <laughs> well, episode I think, number 69. I think the kids are going to love it. That's all I mean. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> and this time we are going all the way back to the beginning. So we got our first guest in 2016. Who is it again? June 2016. And now after seems like a four years and a millennium because of 2020 now we are <laughs> we are we invited back our first ever guest on the show welcome back to defen my folks and how do you feel about being part of this um, you know amazing episode number <laughs> oh hey vj hey ray yeah uh yeah my son is going to love it he, he, yeah i can i can predict that <laughs> i was hoping i was hoping that this would occur i'm like yeah pick me for that episode yeah <laughs> succeeded full circle it's a full yeah. circle episode nice so i think plenty of things changed since 2016 since already Yeah, yeah. Yeah, what were, so I, I was trying to remember what I was talking about on that last episode and the only thing I can think about is I remember in 2015 was when self-hosted closure script kind of became a thing. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And I think after that several things were created surrounding that and that's probably what we were talking about. Yeah. There were self hmm. self-hosted REPLs and things like that around that yeah. time frame. Yeah, it might have been the replete thing for iOS or things yeah. like Plank and um, Lumo and stuff like that. Maybe Zoomo wasn't even around yet. Maybe. And I think what what fundamentally allowed that all to happen, I think part of it at least was the fact that reader conditionals were added to closure. Mm -hmm. So that's about how long ago it was. <laughs> <laughs> that was right around the <laughs> half a decade ago. Yeah. So what what has been happening since then? So most recently I think maybe we should go it's it's much difficult yeah, to yeah. think about going through all the stuff from there. Uh, maybe we should start with the recent ones that you're working on. That's all the I have a memory stuff. of anyway. Like yeah. my memory doesn't work longer. <laughs> I mean, 2020 yeah. has been long. Yeah, man. <laughs> so so um, I joined a company with Ray, uh, full disclosure, right? Everyone knows that, named Vouch. And that's yeah. that's what led to the thing that we're going to talk about, which is um, yeah. we were um, getting into like, microcontrollers for some reason you know we were digging into like making our software like getting our software's tentacles into every place we could uh and it turned out that building hardware was kind of an interesting thing for us at vouch um yeah yeah and and vouch is pretty much a closure shop right pretty much i don't know if you'd agree ray oh, um, yeah definitely but yeah. but we so we we were faced with oh man the whole microcontroller thing that's pretty much c or whatever or rust maybe if you're fancy right yeah um so Even before then, we we were talking about like, ah, what if we could somehow get some sort of closure dialect to run on these microcontrollers, yeah. so that we don't have to like face the pain of writing stuff in C, really. You know, <laughs> I mean, I like the language, but man, you know, yeah. And so closure from I think closure started like the back end and then front end and then front end back end and then all the way to the all the way I just say like oh, okay, all the yeah. way down so yeah and for me interestingly like the whole closure script thing was really um I've never ever been a web developer really and mm. and yet I I have a huge thing to do with closure script but I've never done that web thing you know I don't, mm. I don't develop web pages I did once 
in anger. And it's, I got, <laughs> I walked away from that. So for me, closure <laughs> script has always been like, you know, reach that whole reach argument that rich has yeah. of where that language can go. And it's, um, and it, for me, initially it was, um, I was, I was producing iOS apps at the time. This was before react native. And that was yeah. the first thing that was why I actually got into closure script was basically, it was a suitable language that you could use to code and write, you know, execute something inside of a mobile app inside of an iOS yeah. app. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, so it's, that was not the web that was, you know, a mobile app, a native app really. And then yeah. things like self-hosted has its own reach in different places. And yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so this, hope- this whole microcontroller thing is yet another example, I guess, of that reach thing. Yeah. So maybe, maybe, uh, I think obviously I have no, I have not much memory of uh, microcontrollers and stuff. I mean, even though I'm this, an electronics engineer. Yeah, this would be good. So, like, ask all the questions you can because I may easily um, assume knowledge, right? That that or yeah. or assume that that yeah. And especially for the audience, because I was the same way just a year or two ago, and I'm like, what? Like, it's microcontrollers are often referred to as MCUs, right? Little yeah, yeah. Like those are little details that the audience may not even know. Um, yeah, I think the only MCU yeah. that I know is the Marvel Cinematic Universe or something. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <Like> exactly. <laughs> well, maybe so if, if we maybe yeah. make the thing about it is like I think a lot of people think of like uh, mm-hmm. like these like embedded systems and everything to do with the maker community, and so you've mm-hmm. got like this um, you know there's obviously like things like the like the Raspberry Pi, um, and um, and what's the other one? The other one with the breadboard. Arduino. What's it called? Arduino. Uh, the Arduino, Arduino. Yeah, the Arduino. Yes. Um, so. Maybe if we start there, and because the, okay. the, the problem with the Raspberry, well, the problem, the nice thing about the Raspberry Pi is it's, it's quite competent actually. It's you know for a very mm-hmm. small, cheap computer, it's got a lot of capabilities. Mm-hmm. But then obviously you get further and further down. Maybe it's, it's worth just going down the kind of like um, yeah. So so set up the set up the stage, you know. And that's actually where we were at Vouch was we were um, when we were like trying to we were we were demonstrating um, applying our product to unlocking cars at the time. And we were we we had to come up with a way to to do that, and we were actually using um, a Raspberry Pi to do that, and that was that was great because a Raspberry Pi is effectively a computer, you know, it yeah, is, right? yeah. it's running mm-hmm. Linux, and we were doing that using Node, and uh, we could have been running Java on the thing if we wanted to, you know, it's mm. completely capable of doing all that. But isn't isn't Raspberry Pi with a uh, it's it's either Intel or is it uh, what kind of chip it is using then CPU? Oh. Is it I with the? Um, is it an ARM? Maybe is it yeah, ARM? Yeah, yeah, ARM, probably. Yeah. yeah, okay. Yeah, and that didn't even really even matter when you're when we're doing stuff like a Node and Closure Script. You, you yeah, don't even yeah. see which CPU it is. Yeah. Yeah, you've got an yeah. operating system like Linux, so it's yeah, kind exactly. Of like, so you're like a, you're yeah. like multiple levels above yeah, the yeah, yeah, stack yeah, anyway. Yeah, yeah. That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I I'm trying to remember what. So we were we were basically building our stuff on Raspberry Pi, hmm. and um we were trying to harden it at the time because we were going to start using it to give demos and whatnot. And it's just like a, you could argue a Raspberry Pi is a little bit fragile. Um, at least the mm-hmm. ones I had, you know, it's not in an enclosure. You can buy enclosures, industrial strength enclosures yeah. to put a Raspberry Pi within. Uh, and um, they're also, Wait, when, guess, when you say, when you say hardened, you mean physically, because I was thinking hardened as yeah, an like security device. <laughs> oh no, no. I just mean yeah, physically yeah. like the thing is just fragile where like, um, uh, for example, you have to be careful not to cut its power because you oh. might corrupt its uh, f- file system. Uh, oh. mm. and, and I did that. I like lost my file system at one point. So, so we were like at the time in Vouch, we were like, is there, um, 
is there something that's more robust? Uh, and um, we actually started to work with uh, Bill Hurd at, at that point in time to help us make some real hardware. Um, Maybe people don't know who Bill Hurd is, Mike. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, um, I just assumed everyone knows who, who that guy is. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so so you first of all, do you even know what Commodore is as a company, or what yeah, Commodore yeah. computers were? Like the whole yeah. audience may not even know that, right? That's true. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so when especially when, you know when we start episode sixty nine and then we're targeting younger audience. So. Yeah, <laughs> this is true. the age group that we're targeting. <laughs> <laughs> so, and this this actually this 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 thing that we're going to talk about with the microcontroller kind of like harkens back to that day where when we were all kids, you would buy a basic computer and you mm -hmm. flip it on and it had like basic in its ROM and it like yeah. within milliseconds that the, the REPL was up effectively. It was a basic REPL. And you yeah, could, yeah, yeah. as a kid, you could start typing and learning mm -hmm. instant gratification back then, you know, yeah. no internet back then. You just flip on your basic computer <laughs> and start coding. Um, so Bill Hurd worked at Commodore and he designed um, several computers. But I think the most notable one was the Commodore 128, mm -hmm. uh, the one that followed the Commodore 64. Um, yeah. The Commodore 64 is the, is the popular one. So, yeah. so Bill basically um, has been doing electronics his entire life, and he he helped us um, basically in taking what we had at the time and and converting it into like a more like I don't know a more real or going down one layer, you know, making it out of mi a microcontroller, and mm -hmm. um, because of what we needed to do in Vouch, we needed to basically deal with CAN bus messages in automobiles. Uh, Bill basically went and found a microcontroller that could do CAN, and that was the yep. ESP32. Um, yep. And CAN is like can. the car network, isn't it? The car area network. So the network of components within a vehicle. Yeah, basically. Um, so what we were doing is like, if you if you think about those, um, if you're going to get your car worked on, there's the, I'll say it wrong, OBD or OBD, <laughs> ODB, the port, the little jack that they yeah, stick OBD the thing too, in the, yeah. underneath the steering wheel and they yeah, measure yeah. like your engine stats and stuff like that. That's, you can get to the CAN bus in a vehicle that way. And on older vehicles, you can actually um, send some messages across that, that network and unlock your car. Now, since yeah. then, cars have been, uh, you know, the, the security around cars has been increased. But, you know, I have like an old 2011 Prius that uh, you can unlock it that way. Uh, so we were doing stuff with CAN, and and that's that was why Bill picked the ESP32. Um, mm -hmm. He 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 actually didn't even know about the ESP32 himself. He just went looking around and talked to some of his his you know associates, and they said, "Hey, check out this microcontroller." And it turned out to be mm -hmm. a really suitable one. And the the interesting thing about that one was it um it actually uh, has a it's a pretty um, capable chip in terms of RAM and mm -hmm. uh, processor speed. Uh, mm -hmm. So it's like, it's almost as if uh, when you think about like the Raspberry Pi and then the Arduino, uh, and then you go all the way down to things like you'd normally think of as like the ST or or Nordic chips, like the, the low end things. The ESP32 kind of floats in the middle there somewhere. It's got okay. like, a, like a megabyte of RAM, you know, if you get the higher, oh, wow. in, you know, and, and like, same same amounts in flash you know it's like it's a pretty beefy mcu yeah. and and we had prior to that we so we were we were always just looking into this thing called esperino mm -hmm. which is a javascript engine for um microcontrollers mm -hmm. so we had always thought like i mean we might get into this world and we'd, we'd had our eyes on this thing called esperino and it turns out that um 
once we had picked the ESP32 for the thing we were doing, I realized, I thought back to this, this SS Perunia thing and I went and looked and found out, oh, <laughs> it actually supports the, the ESP32. Uh, and that was kind of like where the, where the kind of like light went off in my head. I'm like, oh, this thing has enough RAM to actually pull it off where you could run closure script in the thing. Um, yeah. Whereas, you know, we had actually been looking at ESP, uh, Esperino previously. Um, and we were thinking, oh man, maybe there's like all types of shortcuts we could do to try to get closure script to seem like it's running on it. Yeah. Um, so I guess we could talk a little bit about what, um, what Esperino really is and, um, yeah. Mm. But so before that, so yeah, ESP that, is, yeah. the, is the, is mm. the, is the microcontroller, right? The ESP32 is a microcontroller, yeah. but it's also, yeah. it's also kind of like a, um, but 32 as in 32 bit or is it, um, it is a 32 bit thing. Yeah. And okay. there, the previous one was, is ESP oh, 852 something or other. So, okay. the, so, but yeah, so the, the name might have something to do with the fact that it's yeah, 32 yeah. bits. Um, but what is the, so, mm -hmm. Uh, I probably ask like plenty of dumb questions, I guess. Yeah, no, go ahead. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, because I, I think my my electronics knowledge is from I don't know twenty years ago when I actually with my engineering. So I'm assuming the the audience is mostly into closure and closure script and may not yeah. necessarily even know about sure. these things at all. Yeah. So yeah. We yeah. Can talk, yeah. Talk yeah. So maybe maybe yeah. yeah. So what is the difference then? Because you know mm -hmm. uh, I know I. I studied it a long time ago, but there is a difference okay. between microprocessors and microcontrollers, right? So is it like an instruction set or? So, I, okay, so this is where I'm speculating a little bit too. Yeah. And I think when I think of like the stuff that's inside of all our computers, that's a microprocessor. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Maybe it's just the way the terms are used, commonly mm -hmm. used, but when people say microcontroller, they typically mean like one of these little embedded devices that's, you know. Yeah. Um, to be honest, like, what is the real definition and the distinction? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I think they're, they're all pretty much the same. They're, they're doing pretty much the same stuff, right? I mean, they have the instruction set and then they execute it and they interface with the with the hardware that you have. Yeah, mm. and, and these these microcontrollers typically um, don't really have, like, an operating system. Or if yeah. they do, it's like an RTO, you know, like a low-level thing that, like, might let you do something with threads or something like that, but it's really, like, like there's typically no file system. There's, you, yeah. you know, the typical model of, for these things uh, for the audience who may not know is you, you typically write a little C program that can do something, right? Uh, it, it will calculate something or interact with the world through some facilities that the chip may have. And yeah. you just compile that program and that's the thing that runs on the microcontroller, yeah. you know, like, like a single program. They're very, Basically. very specialist. Yeah. So that's the idea yeah. is they're not general purpose. They're very specialist. Yeah. They're meant for a particular industrial applications for you know yeah. one or two particular things usually to read sensor data or to push push to either to read data or to push data to you know again other small yeah. controllers yeah hmm. so esp32 is the is the microcontroller that you're using and now this one can run compiled javascript well so, what is the idea between Esperino okay, so, and this so, one? Okay, yeah. So if you say, okay, the main thing you run on a microcontroller is some C program that you wrote, right? Yeah. Be it whatever. So you may say, well, what if that C program <laughs> could interpret JavaScript perhaps? Like you could, yeah. you know, you could feed it strings and it could like say, oh, I'm going to execute these things. Um, yeah. So there's several of these uh, kind of things in this class that run like there are several, you know, target things that will run higher level languages on these things. And the, and one very popular one is like CircuitPython. Um, mm -hmm. 
And there might be another variant to that. So Esperino is basically one of these things that will run JavaScript. Mm -hmm. um, and it, you know, there's, there's a handful of these, maybe half a dozen of them. Um, and I don't remember the names of all of them, but, but Esperino, um, the way it works is it's not truly, it's not really interpreting the JavaScript that actually like parses it down and puts it into some internal memory representation inside of it. Uh, yeah. We could talk about the how, but but really yeah. that's what it does is basically you can say, oh, if you if you get uh, Esperino, you can put it on not only just the ESP32, but other even smaller microcontrollers. Oh, wow. um, and once you do that, you can basically connect to your, typically when you're working with microcontrollers anyway, you connect to them using some sort of serial cable, like, like yeah. a USB cable you hook to it. Yeah. And then you can basically type commands to it through yeah. a terminal. And, and Esperino basically makes it so that you're basically at a JavaScript repo mm. or prompt. And you can start up, you can, you could type in one plus one and hit enter and you'll get back to, um, okay. and, um, so it's, and it's actually surprisingly performant, you know, it actually, um, you know, it's not blazingly fast, but it will, yeah. it will execute, uh, JavaScript and it, um, I guess I'm going to slip into talking about the how again, but it's kind of yeah, like, yeah. Um, Go it, ahead. it's kind of interesting technically. Um, it actually, it's, it, it mainly is really, really, really concerned about RAM, preserving mm. RAM. Uh, because mm -hmm. that's the, you know, you, you might think, oh, you don't have much CPU power, but really the main constraint is RAM when you're talking about those kind of things. Uh, you may only have like kilobytes of RAM, uh, you yeah. know, or several hundred kilobytes of RAM to run things in. Mm -hmm. um, so what it's doing is uh, Esperino is pretty clever and it takes your JavaScript and compiles it down to very efficient in-memory representations. And as a matter of fact, there's a cool thing on the Esperino website where they talk about like, what is the smallest way that you can represent an algorithm? And they take like, mm -hmm. uh, like the bubble sort or some, 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 you mm -hmm. know, algorithm that you can imagine is like 15 lines long. I yeah. can't remember which one it is. And they represent it in different languages and they, and they look at like, well, what if you were to just write that thing in C and then get the machine code associated with that? Right. And they, and they showed that minified JavaScript is smaller than the machine code generated by a C compiler. It's like, it Ooh. is the most compact thing that we as humans can produce right now. And maybe that oh, makes nice. sense because we've all evolved to make JavaScript ship to browsers, right? And we can compress it down to almost nothing. So yeah, it, is yeah. the, it, is the, it is the most efficient way as humans, as we know right now, to, to express algorithms is, is minified JavaScript. <laughs> JavaScript. I know, it's kind of funny. Yeah. And that's, that's effectively what the Esperino kind of leverages is the ability to represent its code in the tiniest way possible to fit it on those small things. And then it just yeah. arranges to execute it somehow. Um, okay, so the so when you write a program and then you compile it, com, quote unquote, compile compile it down to JavaScript, then that's what that is being stored in in RAM because you need to read it from RAM to execute this one, right? And, yeah. So like if you hmm. imagine like if Esperino is um, running along and it hits a new function that it needs to yeah. like you your one function calls another function, it's not um, it's not like looking up the text for that JavaScript and yeah. then interpreting it it's actually mm -hmm. already turned it into some internal form uh, mm. and and executing that in memory and i think this is correct what i'm saying so i could mm -hmm. i could be wrong you could go look at the way esperino is really working but that's <laughs> that's roughly yeah. the idea is that it and it's actually um not it's not fully like ecmascript compliant mm. javascript it's not a full implementation because it's 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 actually being pragmatic and cutting corners where it needs to in order to preserve it and one example of that is uh in JavaScript, if you're dealing with a number, you might typically think of that as like a double, 
in terms of yeah. its size. Yeah. Well, on Esperino, it's like a flute. It's like half the size, you know? Oh. So they went, you know, <laughs> um, and, and just uh, lots of things like that exist. Um, yeah. And, and there's just other things that it just doesn't support. Like uh, JavaScript has labels. You can label mm. things and jump yeah. to those labels. Esperino yeah, yeah. just says, ah, it's not going to support that. It's not important enough. Um, yeah. Okay. So the language wise, it's a bit, uh, it's, it's a scale, a little bit of scale down version to, to microcontroller level. Yes. Yeah. JavaScript. Okay. Yep. It's like a profile so, of JavaScript. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. So why not write JavaScript then uh, directly? So where did ClojureScript come into the picture here? Have you ever written JavaScript, oh. uh, Future? I did. How dare you? <laughs> using 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 jQuery a long time ago. Yeah, okay. Exactly. You, no, you can. Yeah, so um, no, you can. You could write. That's And Esperun is very popular. Uh, and it's yeah, it's yeah. a perfectly suitable approach. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, um, that, so Ray and that, I would that, disagree. let's be honest. I mean, that was definitely the approach we were looking at as well at, mm -hmm. at the beginning because we didn't think that we would be able mm -hmm. to get ClojureScript on these devices. Yeah. We definitely we would rather write JavaScript than C, at least, mm -hmm. at, least at the beginning. You know, mm. so anyway, so, Mike, back to you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. And another so another how thing did to mention. Script? Yeah. Oh, okay. So it's just because we are who we are. We wanted to like stick in the language that we were comfortable with, right? Mm. Um, and I don't know. I don't know if that's a satisfying explanation. Like I could write JavaScript, <laughs> well, but uh, it's a closure script closure podcast. So I think that that's the reason enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this language has value. I hope we all agree. Yeah. <laughs> um, Maybe yeah. it's a maybe it's a better question because I think you know we always want closure script. The better question is why did you think it was possible, or how did you get to the point where it was mm. possible, you know, to mm -hmm. execute yeah. on such a small constrained device? Oh, okay, yeah. So even even before that, I was I had tried running, um, like for example, like the closure script unit tests. I took that like mm. when you in closure script when you say hey I want to make I want to run its compiler unit tests it spits out in it like an advanced file that's just a chunk of JavaScript and you could take mm. that JavaScript and try to run it anywhere and I had done mm. that with like Esperino in the past and it never did run properly and at one mm. point and this is this is part of what what it took to get the stuff running is just like finding out the little reasons or what it was and and at one point I ran them and I don't recall what changed but it worked you know it worked on the Esperino command line version of the thing so like you can take esperino and put it on your mac or your linux box and it's basically a a shell or it's the same mm -hmm. it's the same c program basically and yep. and i i got it to run there i'm like oh wow closure script can actually run on esperino and then um to answer your question ray like what made me think that it could fit there um i think it was just the amount of ram that that existed in that thing and, and knowing that um in order to actually have a REPL. The main thing you need to do to, to, to have a REPL is you need to have basically all of the ClojureScript um, standard library mm. available to you. Basically, yeah. CLGS core, like yeah, yeah. map and filter and all those things, they need to be there, um, or ideally they should be there. Otherwise, you're, you're dealing with a whole different problem where you're trying to say, oh, you just called filter, but it's not on the chip right now. Let me go somehow get it on there. Um, but, but isn't the tool chain then... Um, so you write closure script on your computer. Yes. You compile it to produce advanced JavaScript, and then you just copy it over onto microcontroller storage, and then run it. Is yes. it the so you, you don't could do really that. need to have the whole closure script on the chip, right? 
Right. And that what you just described is a is a perfectly valid model where it's like, okay, I'm gonna write my stuff in Closure Script, compile it down yep. to advanced, take that thing and put it on yep. um put it on Esperino and just let it run. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um and that um that's that's most likely what you would do if you were like making a like a release build of something and you're just gonna uh, okay. yeah, you know? yeah. um but but the REPL, you gotta have a REPL to have the, the full experience. Um, yeah. So, and, and if you were, if you were to do things in that mode, like where you just compile it down and put it on there, then it's almost a, a lot like what happens when you're just working with C where you compile mm. your C and you put it on the chip. Now yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's not a completely fair comparison because typically with these microcontrollers, when you're doing C, you can establish a debugger session yeah, yeah. and mm. you can hit breakpoints and, you know, mm. yeah. But what I wanted was a REPL into the thing. I wanted to okay. be able to, um, and part of the, part of the story there is, um, Things like Esperino, what they do is they take the facilities that your chip has. Like, um, well, well, so one thing all microcontrollers typically have is what are called GPIO pins, general mm -hmm. purpose IO pins. So if yeah. you imagine like you want to hook up to something else, you have all, you know, you, you everyone, when they think of a chip, there's all these pins sticking out of it. Some yeah. of those pins are used for data to drive things, yeah. right? And you, when you're writing your program, you may say, hey, take this pin and raise its voltage high or raise it low. Yeah. So that you can light up an LED or uh, unlock a lock, or what do you want to do? Or, yeah, yeah. or you may want to. You're sending messages to a CAN controller, and you want to like mm. do that through GPIO pins, or or there's other higher level protocols above that, I squared yeah. C and SPI. Um, but essentially, um, Esperino takes those uh, low level facilities that are available, GPIO pins and whatnot. Uh, and and basically turns them into kind of like first class things that are visible in the JavaScript environment. Um, okay. So you can just refer to them. So so if you if you manage to have like if you have a Esperino REPL into one of these mm -hmm. controllers, you can just sit there and you can like drive your GPIO pins in real okay. time. Like you so can. So it's basically having like a file handle, and then you can just write bits to it or, or data to it directly. Yeah, I mean it's yeah. so so the the GPIO pins you can mm -hmm. they're really low level. You just say, hey, raise this thing high, raise it low. Oh, um, okay. Yeah. Um, and the the thing about having a REPL, and this is why Esperino itself is fundamentally a cool thing, is that mm. you can do it in real time. You can get a mm. yeah. you can get a, a terminal into it, and you can just sit there and change the world by typing things into your thing. And that's that's what we all think of when we think of a REPL, right? You're you're changing the state of your program or yeah. adding new functions to the mix. Um, yeah. So, you know, closure script having a REPL into it is the same idea. It's just in a different language expressed one level higher. Mm. Um, yeah. You're defining new functions, you know. And and the cool thing is, is that if you're like, if you're trying to prototype something, um, it's it's really nice to be able to um, say, oh, let me let me try driving this line high and see what happens, you know. Uh, rather than in the, the traditional C model, where I guess you would yeah, right. change your compile, code, compile yeah. it, and put it on it, Copy it you yeah. might mess with it in the debugger to try to force things. But yeah, yeah. come yeah. on, yeah. yeah, yeah. So basically, <laughs> really what you're, what's, yeah. what's weird about it, if you if you look at it either way, is that embedded programming, uh, embedded controllers or ECUs or you know microcontrollers, they essentially take you back to the mainframe where you're batch, <laughs> where you're batching your programs. Sending them over there, it getting them one, run, yeah. and then seeing what the results are. Yeah, it's not usually taking all day, but you know. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. One one cool example of that. Um, there is a guy who helped a lot, who contributed a lot to Esperino. His name's 
Kieran Sheila. Uh, mm-hmm. Not to confuse things by mentioning another Kieran here, but um, yeah, <laughs> that's not me. his first name is Kieran. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So he he basically uh, was working on something with Vouch, and he took uh, one of these Esperino things out and basically with closure script and uh, was basically do, doing an experiment effectively with a mm. with a fob to his car and actually like at the REPL messed around and managed to unlock his car that way by finding the right sequence of things, you know, and, and you could figure that out the old fashioned way, like, you know, but it was, you know, he's basically, Oh, because he was in the, um, in the mode where he was learning and experimenting and seeing what the fob does and how it actually works. Mm. So he basically Mm. said, Oh, I need to set this line so that it drives at low and open rate. So he could like quickly iterate and just, and, and prototype and say like, Oh, here's how you do it. And then capture that knowledge, you know, and carry it forward. But that's that's the kind of stuff that you can do if you have a REPL into something is you can yeah. be in that experimental playful mode where you're just like eh, typing and mm. seeing what happens, right? But is there a chance that I can burn the microcontroller? Ooh. Or- <laughs> that was I remember that was the old thing, right? With basic computers. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you could, you you could, could always potentially- you could go into Sears and type in a command <laughs> and <laughs> burn it up. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I guess okay, what you're yeah, saying, so like, Mike, is that is that Esprino gives you kind of safe access to the hardware, so mm-hmm. it, it's kind of got yeah. like these uh, high law things that are that are probably pretty yeah, in mean, the boundary. Yeah. yeah. What VJ was saying though is like you could actually hook up your your microcontroller to something that's affecting the real world, oh, and because yeah, you have yeah. so much freedom, you may actually like make the robot break the hole in the wall or something. You know, <laughs> yeah. like, oh, yeah, but yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yes. it, it, yeah. it's almost like okay, let, let me let me raise it to one, and then I type hundred, and then you know, <laughs> yeah. And I guess that could happen if you're writing stuff in C anyway. But yeah, but it's even you could do it much more quickly at a REPL. Right? <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, you could actually Real launch time. the nukes. Yeah, basically. <laughs> yes, I think that's that's that, that's the experience you want to have, right? You're like immediate feedback. <laughs> so if you have yeah. like a you know increase the RPM to whatever, and then in, I, f- I forgot to make it 20 and then I just like 2000 and then it just blows up. <laughs> the, the other thing though, Mike, I mean, coming back mm-hmm, to yeah. closure script is that, do you think like the fact that you had a good experience with like uh, self-hosted closure, uh, sorry, self-hosted closure script um, helped you with these embedded um, controllers? Cause you know, like you say, you kind of know what's needed to bootstrap the whole thing. Yeah. So for me, it was fair to say that I knew what it meant to make a REPL. And, yeah. um, I mean, I think everyone's familiar with the, what a REPL is, but if you, if you actually had to sit down and make one and know all the pieces mm-hmm. and it's not that complicated, but it gave me the confidence at least to say like, yeah, I, I, I've made REPLs before. I, I think I know the pieces that would be needed to make a REPL into this mm-hmm. chip. Um, mm-hmm. one thing that, for example, that you don't get, um, with the, with the, um, Esprit REPL into the chip is you don't get the ability to load uh, files. So like you, can, yeah. you can't require uh, files. Um, and that's just a limitation, you know, that exists in the implementation right now, because in order to load a, the, so to back up a, a second, I'd have to explain how does that even work with script. Like if yeah. you say, I'm going to require some namespace, right? That you have mm-hmm. on your disk on your computer. Um, and, and the way that typically works is, locally the closure script compiler will compile that namespace down to javascript and then the trick is somehow getting that javascript into the execution environment mm-hmm. um 
So if you are, um, let's see, if you're if you're coding in a browser with ClojureScript, uh, typically that involves, I guess, just well, how does that work? Since <laughs> I don't deal with browsers, I don't even. <laughs> maybe Ray, maybe you know how does how does the browser get the resulting JavaScript into it? Does it just pull it across a WebSocket or something? Like that? Yeah, for at least for well, big wheel, it's automatically pulling it from the WebSocket, right? Yeah. yeah but yeah, other, yeah. otherwise, you can just refresh it, and then it's attached to the to the HTML already. So one JavaScript thing is loading the other files. There is a loader, app.js or whatever. Yeah. yeah. But, but uh, yeah, yeah. The, so you can do it like that. Um, but obviously, you can just load it from uh, from the browser's uh, local storage as well if you really want to go crazy. Yeah. Mm. Okay. <laughs> so for me, like first of all, <laughs> so for my yeah. my experience has been like um, doing uh, well. There's the Ambly REPL, which is a closure script REPL into iOS, right? Yeah. And, yeah. and the way that that works is it sets up a WebDAB, uh, and the WebDAB is on the on the phone, so it becomes like a thing that you could mount from your computer, and then you have a file system, and you just make the closure script compiler right there. Yeah. Uh, for self hosted. Um, if it's Plonk, the files are just there. On your, you can get up, you can read them directly, right? Yeah. Um, for things like Replete, you can't do that. Um, mm -hmm. Replete on iPhone, you can't require a file. Um, yeah. That, it's just not set up for that. So, yeah. so for this, for this um, Esprit REPL that's into an ESP32 chip, um, if you were to try to require a file, it just wouldn't. It doesn't have the facilities to kind of get that JavaScript over mm -hmm. the quote wire and into the REPL. Um, but other things do work. Like you can you you can have your own namespaces if you'd like. And part of the way that works is um, when you're compiling the the REPL itself to get it onto the chip, you can have it also at the same time compile your own custom namespaces that you may have that mm -hmm. you'd like to have pulled over as well. And they would just kind of get bundled into the same thing that's put onto the chip. So what what is the? I'm trying to understand how the mm -hmm. how the setup works. So I have this 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 microcontroller. And then it has somehow Esperino installed on it. So it's working. And then the closure script stuff that you said, it's also installed there. Now, yeah. how do I, how, so how do I write shit in Emacs now and then compile it? Yeah. And okay. then connect, connect to the REPL from yeah, Emacs. Yeah. So, so the way I chose to do it is I made it so that um, the ESP32 actually supports Wi Fi. Mm -hmm. um, it actually, oh, and, and okay. also supports Bluetooth. Um, hmm. But so I basically, I, I arranged things, and there's multiple ways you could do this, um, but I just yeah. arranged it so that uh, the um, the ESP32 will join your local Wi-Fi. Um, okay. Uh, so you basically, you give it the password to your Wi-Fi and you give it, um, and, and this was not something I created, the ESP32 or Esperino already yeah. had this capability built into it. Uh, yeah. And so then I just, just established a TCB connection into it. Um, oh, okay. Given so you that know it's the IP like, address, and then you know. Yeah, basically, I have it exactly. Yeah. I make it run a little yeah. server and <laughs> listen. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And and then from that, that's that's basically the REPL connection. And that mm. so like when you say, hey, you know, you know, evaluate some form, the mm. the JavaScript for that form is sent directly across that TCP connection. So what does that um, look like in terms of like because BJ probably wants to use NREPL or something like that um, mm -hmm. to get to it? Is, is this, does it support uh, like? And REPL and Bancode and all these things. Okay, yeah. So the um, the cool thing is, um, Closure Script has an ability for you to define your own custom REPLs, 
your own custom mm -hmm. REPL implementation. And so it's got this base functionality and the closure script um, shipping code base. And you can make your own REPL by basically following a few patterns, implementing a protocol. Um, and that's that's all this this particular uh, Esprit REPL is, is one of those. Mm -hmm. And because of that, it plays in the normal ecosystem like any other REPL. Um, and you can use yep. Emacs. There's actually... Um, uh, Kieran, Kieran Sheila wrote uh, instructions for how to how to set up Emacs to work with it, and I imagine that those instructions. I don't use Emacs, but sorry, um, but um, it's, okay. That's it for episode number sixty nine. I think. Okay, Thank sorry. you, Mike. And <laughs> <Talk later>. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm I'm assuming <laughs> the instructions are just like any other. Um, so how do you use it with a yeah, proper yeah. editor? Like Emacs, like cursive, <laughs> cursive. I use um, yeah. So let's see. With cursive, I would use this thing that I created called Tubular that, that basically makes it easy to hook in. Um, okay. I never did figure out the P-REPL thing. Sorry, Ray. We'll have to do a PR for that one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, to answer this, it's just a REPL like almost any other. And it, it really is um, a standard closure script REPL. Uh, yeah. and, and apart from that deficiency where it can't load files, it looks like um, any other REPL. So if so, you, if if my if you've got like a requirement where you you know you want to do like you know map filter reduce and it's all good, but if you want to do some sort of like um, closure set operation or something like that, mm -hmm. do you have to arrange that beforehand or can you uh, can you you know what comes with it? What's like what's built oh, into okay. the REPL? Because yeah, I know that yeah. some REPLs come with those kind of like um, you know I think I think mm -hmm. some of the REPLs you ship come with some of these like uh, common libraries, closure string, that kind of thing. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So so the best way to explain it is the Esprit REPL is partially a tiny little closure script program that implements that server that I was talking about. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, so it, and it actually like um, does all the REPLisms, all the things that it needs to do to, to be a REPL. Um, and in that um, closure script namespace that implements that REPL, whatever it, requires ends up being in your target environment. So like Ray, you mentioned, what if you want to do something with closure set? If that thing is not already including or requiring closure set, then it just wouldn't be there. Mm -hmm. You'd have to like either add it to that REPL or add it to another side file that you're going to have compiled with the mix and mm -hmm. have it over there. Uh, and then it would just be there. It would end up getting, getting put together. And what happens is um, th the way this works is uh, when you compile this thing, when you compile the, the little closure script program that represents the REPL, it gets compiled down and um, it, we use, uh, so in, in the closure script compiler, you can choose like advanced or typically when you're dealing with a REPL, you do none, or you could mm -hmm. do white space and simple. Yeah, Those are different space, like, yeah. closure yeah. modes. So what we do specifically for this uh, Spreet REPL is we do uh, simple. And simple mm -hmm. is basically a fairly compact representation of things, but it has this characteristic where it preserves all the top level functions. So mm. map and filter and all those things are in, in CLJS core are still actually there. So they're, they're not uh, minified or they're not having this weird naming like in a yeah, compilation. Yeah, or mangled, yeah. Yeah, like yeah, the, yeah, in, yeah. the insides of the functions might get mangled and yeah, minified, yeah. but the top level, yeah. So you, you, can, you can actually see all the symbols pretty easily and then use them. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so that what that... The, Part of like I guess me delving back into the how is what happens is it produces a simple uh, output, which is one big uh, concatenated JavaScript of mm -hmm. everything yeah. needed to run everything. 
Um, mm. And that's typically if you go back to Closure Script and the way it works when when you apply Google Closure to it, it's doing whole program optimization across that big yes. file. Well, that's the actual file that we take and we put onto the microcontroller. Um, mm. And we put it into a place, into a special, to make this work, we actually had to take Esperino and kind of modify it a little bit. And, and one of the modifications we had to make was uh, to repartition. There's There actually is like on the flash, there's partitions for different places of things. Yeah. And they had one partition, which is called JS code. And if you put anything in that, any text into that partition, when the Esperino engine starts up, it will like execute whatever JavaScript happens to be in uh, that particular okay. partition. So we yeah. basically just put our Everything simple <laughs> into there and it wouldn't yeah. fit normally. That was one of the things that had to be solved. And, mm. and the solution to that is to figure out how its partitioning scheme works and just make a gigantic partition, you know, that can hold. <laughs> and, and it has to be about a megabyte in size because <laughs> yeah. simple, simple, um, when you use simple to make, you know, CLJS core, it's about 900 kilobytes of text. Oh, wow. You know, um, I think th this is like just, the other end of the spectrum, inked. right? Because, yeah, because pe people <laughs> who are writing the web programs these days, I mean, nobody cares about space or, or you know, memory or anything. So we just yeah. add like a million node modules and then see what is going to happen. Oh, yeah. And yeah. We don't you care have to be really the browsers careful. Became, yeah. 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 But here you have to be very careful in what you're adding and then how much you have. Yeah. But I, I think that's then, a bit unfair, mm -hmm. though, VJ. Things like Yarn and stuff like this, you know, they, they strip yeah. out. Well, they do all the tree shaking yeah, before, yeah, they, before, you know, they, before you ship it out. So they, yeah, that's true. But it's not, I mean, I'm talking about normal web websites these days, which have like a million oh, know, trackers yeah, and yeah, all, yeah. all the crap and everything. All the and, cookies and the trackers. Yeah, and exactly. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I so, think IoT will eventually get to the point of, you know, I think the <laughs> idea, the idea that the browsers yeah. are the only place where the surveillance state will exist is, you know, probably <laughs> optimistic. <you know. laughs> So, so people will be installing it in a Google ad blockers or to microcontrollers. Yeah. Well, Mike's already <laughs> Mike's already kind of like bit mining on the SP32. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> so you're you're mining cryptocurrency on that one. Good, yeah. I have quite a few of these things lying around. I might as well put them to, to good use. Exactly. So, what what is the memory efficiency of these things? Sorry, not memory. So, power 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 efficiency. So oh, how, yeah. how much so, do they need? So the coolest tweet I have on that subject is I I had um, one of these REPLs running and it was using less than half a watt, I think, <laughs> of, oh, wow. of power to run. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, okay. yeah, these things. And that's, you know, you could actually like, the way these things are designed is you could put them to sleep, you know, and kind of have them wake mm. back up again. So you mm. could even like yeah. amortize and get like almost no consumption. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But one of the other things, though, Mike, if I remember mm -hmm. rightly, coming back to the beginning of the discussion, was that you wanted to talk about like the startup time. Because oh, Raspberry yeah. Pi was like taking yes. a while to start up. Oh, and that, all the that's, that's a, and all these things. Yeah, that was some, one thing that, that caught me off guard was how microcontrollers are like instantly on. Like, mm -hmm. like you, you turn the thing on and it's running. Like, and that's just weird to me. You know, like I think it's weird to a lot of us who are yeah, used to yeah. things having to, to quote boot, right? They, you know, <laughs> there is um, no startup ding, like ding. Yeah. <laughs> so like, starting. so, um, well, there isn't like, there isn't like 1980s BIOS running on there. <laughs> right. Yeah. So it's just, it like runs your C program immediately. And if you get yeah. Esperino and you put it on one of these things, you, you actually, you boot the thing and it like, it, maybe it takes like a second, you know, it's not instant, mm. but it's, and then your, your JavaScript REPL is available. You can start typing commands like that within a second. Um, 
Yeah. And the thing about ClojureScript, though, is there's that megabyte of code that it has to like run upon starting. So Esperino fires up and it's like, oh, let me go see if there's anything in this JS code partition. And it runs that. And that code mm. takes about 15 seconds to run. Wow. So when you start the thing up, it just, you know, it takes about 15 seconds to lo load up uh, basically CLJS core. You could look at it that yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, now there's things you, you could probably but, do to make it faster. Yeah. But you don't have this. I mean, this is only for the for the development mode, right? When when you want to yeah. actually have a REPL into it, because on on production you have the instant loading stuff anyway. Yeah. So probably. so you can do advanced, and I think um, my memory is fading now. I think I got it. I think the numbers are around four seconds if you do advanced. Okay. So it's yeah. not instant. And I I even went down. This is one thing I kind of like went down this rabbit hole of trying to see like how fast you could make that work. And it turns out yeah. like if you, let's say you make a simple program that does some stuff, mm -hmm. like it does a reduce and calls a few map calls, you know, like a, maybe like a program that's not trivial, you know, just does mm -hmm. a few things. Um, but it's not like a, a, a gigantic program. It's just a, like, imagine like a 15 line program that you want to like start up and do something. Yeah. And I went through that exercise and I made it be advanced. And then I found interestingly that Google Closure Compiler, which does dead code elimination. Um, it actually leaves a lot of code behind that it doesn't know is actually dynamically dead. It does mm. static analysis to see like mm. things that it, that it knows cannot be called. But in fact, there was like, I want to say if I remember correctly, like two thirds of the code that was in there was like truly never going to be called. It oh. was, and so I went through and I, I, you know, I spent like an hour and I would like remove a a function and see if it still worked and just like went through. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was like, yeah. I was a man on a mission. I wanted to see like how small I could make it. And I went through and I, I, that's where I think I got like two thirds of the code gone. And the, and the remaining bit was the stuff that actually was needed to execute this little non-trivial program. Yeah. So that's kind of an interesting point is that um, Google Closure um, compiler when it's doing advanced is only mm. getting rid of stuff that it statically can see is never called. There's still mm. a lot of stuff that that dynamically is never called, but yet it just can't tell. Um, yeah, yeah. Hmm. So, so we have Clojure Script REPL now, and but that is not. I'm assuming obviously it's not going to be in production because otherwise, you know, people will be just connecting to my car chips and you know, rappling <laughs> into yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> into so my to cars. be honest, like a lot of the stuff at Voucher, what we've done is we've actually stuck to like more pragmatic traditional ways of doing things with C um, yeah. to make to make solutions that will like if you think about cars have ECUs in them and you're gonna like perhaps make some code that's gonna run on an ECU. I don't mm. think we're there yet in terms of like mm. these higher level languages running on ECUs. Maybe yeah. maybe another half a decade to a decade, it'll be yeah. like, yeah, this stuff is fine, you know, and those 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 ECUs will be much more powerful. Mm. But for now, I've, I I kind of think of this whole thing as like a foray in that direction. Mm. You know where you can like experiment and see how things work. But, um, yeah, yeah. and, and it but, also is like a little slow, right? It still is like, yeah. if you say, I want to unlock my car and it has to turn around and like maybe process a Seabor message that you sent across the wire to it, you're starting to run up against performance problems where you're like, ah, maybe I should do this in a native language still. Yeah, um, yeah. But those things change, right? You know, yeah. <laughs> given yeah, the few I mean, years going by. Yeah. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Well, especially with your comment about JavaScript running very fast. You know, mm -hmm. eventually we'll get there. Cars running on closure. Well, another thing is like, for example, Scala um, mm -hmm. has a um, an equivalent um, Scala.js. Yes, you know, like a, a 
a JavaScript analog. Yeah, and yeah. I think it was like maybe two years ago now, somewhere in there, they came out with a native thing that compiles mm. Scala down to native. Yep. And and Clojure's starting to have the same thing with Graal, right? You can basically mm. make native things. And I think yeah. that's ultimately an inter interesting thing for framing stuff down on these microcontrollers. This is you can somehow take these high-level languages that we're writing code in and mm. compile yeah. those down to machine code. Yeah. And just that's the thing you put on the chip in the end for your production delivery. But don't you think maybe, well, not don't you think, but um, what, what's your opinion on cutting the middleman then completely remove the Asperino and then make closure yes. compiled to C then? You know, that's like exactly then, then. what I was trying to say. Yeah. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. <laughs> you said it better than me. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> no, that's exactly it. Closure <laughs> compiled to C or, yeah. or either C or um even if it knows the, the the machine language of the particular chip you're yeah, targeting, exactly. but yeah, C might yeah. be a good intermediary. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, because then then you cut the middleman completely, and then you have much more. I don't know. You know, there is no reason to have another. Uh, well, I mean, I think you're the way is looking at WebAssembly, isn't it? Mm -hmm. mm. WebAssembly yeah, is yeah. another path yeah. to get there. Yeah. Because yeah. Uh, what you also kind of need is like um, garbage collection to make this mm. language work. Yeah. And I think WebAssembly might have an answer to that now. Yeah, it does. Um, originally, well, it didn't, but on I the think browser it does anyway. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Or maybe you could even do like reference counting, kind of like yeah, they do probably, with yeah, yeah. Objective C mm. and ARC. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, because I, I understand you're working in the cars domain. Um, mm -hmm. If if you move that to a general purpose thing, what you're saying is that I can get these ESP chip, put mm -hmm. your program there with um, CLJS REPL. And potentially, I can connect to, I don't know, some other Bluetooth devices, like my lights or whatever, and then mm -hmm. use ClojureScript to drive them. Is that yeah? Is that a possible scenario? Yeah. So in theory, like, um, so Vouch for a while, for some of the prototypes, we were using uh, ESP32 boards mm. or ES ESP32 chips on our boards. And we would, we would program them and see. But in theory, everything could have been done in ClojureScript. It would just yeah. be slower. Um, but yeah. it, there's conceptually, it's Turing complete, right? Anything mm. could have been done that way. Um, so we can connect to some other Bluetooth or whatever, or Wi-Fi thing, and then send signals to other connected home devices yes. by writing closed closed script program. Yes, and essentially, that's the dream. Um, yeah. yeah, because the the closest I got to this level was mm -hmm. I had this uh, NXT thing on on Lego. Uh, well, I still have it, NXT three. Yeah, small, yes, small, I know what that small is. thing. Yeah, yeah. My son has one of those. Yeah, like a Mindstorms. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Okay. Mindstorm NXT, mm -hmm. NXT3. And then it, so it came with Lego's operating system, some shitty thing with the blocks and nonsense and other stuff. So I had to flash mm -hmm. it with uh, something called Legos, L E G O S. Mm -hmm. So that actually brings JVM onto that thing. <laughs> okay. I, I remember yeah. experimenting with that one with yeah. uh, ClojureScript back then, um, Node ClojureScript on this one. Mm -hmm. It was incredibly slow to, to do yeah. anything on that one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you yeah. can imagine there's already Java, I and mean, you know, like, and then rest shit, and then on top of it, this this closure plus uh, yeah. Node, so closure script. If you if you hook up to an ESP32 with closure script, and you do say um, map ink over the vector one two three and hit return, yeah. um, it will do that in a matter of like. Two seconds, say it's you know not oh. blazingly fast, but as a human you can yeah, deal with yeah. that. But if you say like do that over like reduce plus over range one thousand, yeah, that that actually takes like twenty seconds or so, somewhere around there. You know, mm -hmm. it's it, you know you have to be careful. So it's like 
at, at this current point, you can only really use this to kind of like be a high level coordination of actions that may be yeah. themselves implemented in native things. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, I think what you're trying to say as well, Mike, is that like mm -hmm. based on the previous examples is you, you want to try and do interactions with the hardware facilities uh, interactively. That's really mm -hmm. the benefit that we're getting out of it, not necessarily the, um, you know, the kind of the general purpose, the general purpose, yeah, usage yeah. across, you know, in in sort of like setting up your smart home using ClojureScript is still a bit distant, you know, mm. um, in production, but it's definitely super useful for experimenting with these kind of yeah. things and you know driving these these uh, these different parts of the embedded devices capabilities. That yeah. you wouldn't that you wouldn't easily mm -hmm. get with other languages. Mm. Yeah, and, and like what's happening big time in that whole space is Circuit Python. I mean, people are starting to see that you can just use that as a high level language to to yeah. to interact and drive these chips. And as opposed to like, I mean, I I wonder how many people even know C these days. To be honest, you know, like <laughs> if you yeah. like, it's just so much more accessible to everyone if you say, hey. You, you like, for example, a lot of the people who are into hardware are not also programmers, right? Um, mm. And and vice versa, programmers are not into hardware. Um, so so like for hardware folk, if they say, ah, I just want to, I I know my heart, I know the hardware stuff, I know how to do voltages and resistors and LEDs, but yet they want to program their thing that they just made. Then they're mm. faced with this another another whole problem, and and for them the answer is probably not closure script, right? That's uh, yeah. you know, but Python. You know, it runs on the shift. So that's becoming popular. It's like, yeah, you can program stuff in a higher level language. Mm. And and uh, even for people like us who are programmers, it's it's easier to do something in ClojureScript than it is in C, right? Yeah, like, yeah. C Certainly, doesn't have a yeah. map, right? If you want to build a <laughs> yeah. map. Like, you know what I mean? That that pain, it's like, yeah. it, you're like how do I do this? Oh, I'm going to make a fixed size buffer and put pointers in the thing and walk that buffer. I'm going to try to, yeah, you you know where you've been there. Yes. It's like, yeah, yeah even, even if you are an experienced programmer, C is yeah, really still, painful. Yeah. yeah, it's just I think one, once you get used assembly, to like closure yeah. 11, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's just, yeah, exactly. It's nicer looking assembly pretty much, you know, C at this point. So yeah. I think once you get used to these, these higher level, I mean, C is supposedly higher level, but even <laughs> one more level, highest level programming, like closure and everything, it's pretty difficult to drop into that level and then lose all the, all the idioms that we, that we use. So mm -hmm. how do I, how do I get, get this thing then? So I just go and then buy ESP chip yes or so so okay so if you want to mess around with this um yep. the, the main thing is is they're different esp32 variants and you mm -hmm. got to make sure you get the one that has the ram all the ram and there's this okay. version called the w room which is the smaller one you want the w rover the bigger one um, okay. and maybe we could put show notes in because it'll be hard <laughs> yeah, to remember. Yeah. but there's like a 16 <laughs> megabyte version um mm -hmm. or really you only need like the eight megabyte version because um Espressive, the folk who make the stuff that you use, the, the, the tooling that you use to code to the SP32, even though some of these bigger chips have that much RAM, they don't make it, it it's not possible to access all of it yet. So you only mm. need like eight meg. So you can you can buy, um, if assuming you can convince yourself that you're buying the right one, <laughs> you yeah, can buy yeah. one of these things off. And it, it, it really is. I, yeah, like Philip Meyer helped me with this when I was, he's also in the closure community. He helped me like pick the right one. Like, you know, it's like, because, you know, you're going on Amazon and there's so many of these variants and you want to like get the one that has the right amount of RAM. Mm. And then as long as you have one of those, 
you can um, get the Esprit REPL and hook it up to it. Um, hmm. It's um, all all you need. Oh, you, no, they all come with they all come with Wi-Fi. You're all good to go mm-hmm. with any of that. Um, and uh, yeah, you can you can then um, any of these any of these off the shelf ones can pretty much work. Um, okay. I, I also mm-hmm. made one for myself because I was interested in that. But you don't you don't need that. That's just a. It's basically um, the, the way you could look at it is these ESP thirty twos. Um, if you back up a little bit. They are basically um, a chip that's inside of a thing that you typically would call a module, and it mm-hmm. looks—it's a larger thing that that has like a big silver RF can on it, um, mm-hmm. and so it's basically—it's the low-level chip with enough stuff uh, supporting circuitry on it to make it work easily. And then yep. typically those things are sold on a board, a mm-hmm. development board that has like all those pins broken out into GPIOs and additional circuitry for USB. So you can plug in your USB into it. And those are the things you can find on Amazon or wherever you want to buy them from. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so you just buy the board instead of um, just the chip, you know, yeah. just the microcontroller. Yeah. Yeah. Cause if you buy the microcontroller, then you're going to have to solder it onto something or yeah. 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 Mm. Yeah. Hmm. But but you you have the CLJS board thingy, right? That you. Yeah. So I just, so, 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 um, I just kind of did it for so while I was giving a talk on this stuff at Closure North, and I wanted to make something for the talk, basically to to yeah. kind of to uh, show it all working. So I made a board that has this chip on it, um, mm-hmm. and it has like for me, it was also just kind of fun to learn how to make all that kind of stuff. So I put like a lot of these boards will have um, the ability where you could plug a battery into it, a yeah. lithium ion polymer battery into it. Well, mm-hmm. I wanted to make one that. Um, and I don't know if these other boards do this, but I wanted to make it so that it could recharge that battery. So I wanted oh, to make it hmm. act much like a cell phone where if you plug it into it USB, charge it the, yeah, it's yeah. charging it and then you could disconnect it. And for me, it was almost like a gimmick, but I wanted to make it so that the REPL could work just on Wi-Fi, right? Yeah. So you can like you can hook it up and get all the stuff flashed to it and then you establish your REPL into it and then you can hmm. disconnect it and it's sitting there running, right? <laughs> and you're actually still controlling it through your REPL yeah. over yeah, yeah. you know a Wi-Fi T-SP connection. Yeah. Um, so that was part of my motivation was just kind of like to learn how to put all these things together. Um, mm-hmm. so, so that, um, so if you want, um, you can buy those on Tendi. Uh, my, my daughter actually makes them. So <laughs> there's a video that I have where, where, so essentially the, a big part of it is, um, taking all the little electrical components and putting them on the board. Right. Yeah. So the way PCBs are typically made is there's robots that do it, right? Yeah, yeah. And they're, they're yeah. called pick and place machines, and they'll mm-hmm. they'll put things on there. Well, my daughter is a pick and place machine, <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so because we're not making enough of these things, where you don't, you know, you're not, not going to have like a huge production run of like enough to, to justify <laughs> that, you know, firing up the robots. So my daughter yeah, yeah. is a human pick and place machine, and she, she makes <laughs> these things, and we 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 basically put these boards up on Tendi. So if you want to get one, you can get one there. That um, and the cool thing about it is it has like a little closure script logo on the board. On yeah, the PCB, yeah. um, but 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 it is no different than in these other things you can buy off of Amazon or wherever. Mm-hmm. But but it comes pre-built or how do you call it? Like pre-installed, pre-flashed with Closure Script. Oh, so that's or? what I wanted to do. Actually, yeah. I wanted to do that. But the thing that prevents you from doing that is you have to like basically um, get your IP address or have you have to get it to join your Wi-Fi. 
Yeah. Um, and there's, there's ways to kind of like make it so that it could like, I guess I could, I could do that and like make it do a I mean, hot spot. You, you, you already know. have like a manufacturing, how do you call that? Like a, like a flow, like right? assembly so you need to have like yeah. a QA assembly line, yeah. assembly line. Exactly. And then you have yeah. like a QA controller and then. <laughs> so yeah. You, so it is. You so actually close to that. build this one. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that was my initial dream was just to say, Hey, if you get one of these, it's already pre and you just kind of, I wanted to make it even work over, um, Bluetooth. So you could just oh. like power the thing up and yep. then see it through the REPL through Bluetooth and it would just discover it and it would just work. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's 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 not that way now. You you basically get the REPL and you compile it and you flash it onto it and you follow some instructions. And this is the stuff that that Kieran Sheila, kudos to him. He like I made the stuff fundamentally work, but it was like messy. He came along and like made it nice and polished and like added like a lot of the depth seed and aliases and scripts around it that, to make it like yeah. all automated nice. so that you could do it without going crazy. You know, um, nice. So it's 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 not prepackaged, but it's thanks to the stuff that Kieran did, it's yeah. pretty turnkey. Yeah. Well, I mean, it has the CLJS logo on it. So that, <laughs> that's, that that's, cool. that's the most yeah. important thing. <laughs> that's, that was, that was one of my motivations. I wanted that logo on the board. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I no. also, I also on that board, I put as another little gimmick as I put little read eval print LEDs on it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so I, okay. Because I'm like, I'm like, Oh, you know, as you are using it, because like I said, like if you evaluate a form that takes a long time, mm -hmm. um, it, it basically the eval light will sit there and flash while it's doing it. Wait, you know? is it is it is it really read eval? Like it's going to turn on at that time, or is it like one of those turbo LEDs that we had in on the computers back then? Like so, they don't so, do much. <laughs> so there is a little bit of faking involved, where like the read, yeah. the read is actually done on your computer, right? When you're typing yeah, in a yeah, form, right? Yeah, it's down yeah. there, but it will like light up that light before, you know, while right around that same time. And then <laughs> okay. once the once the JavaScript is sent over there, right? And then it's mm -hmm. like evaluating that JavaScript. Maybe it's like reduce plus range 1000, right? Yeah, yeah. And, that, and that's like blocking the main thread inside there, right? Mm. When it's doing that, but it flashes the LED by um, telling it to do what's called pulse pulse width mo modulation PWM. Yeah, it basically yeah. uses a low-level facility of the hardware to say, flash this lead at this certain rate. So it starts okay. it flashing and then stops it when it's done. Yeah, but it's Ooh, it's nice. a gimmick. It's just kind of cool. You know, if you're <laughs> going to have a board that's got a REPL, you need those LEDs. That's yeah, right? totally cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah certainly. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's redevelop print and then light up and then there is <laughs> yeah all four of them lighting up like a and it's, firework. It's thing. also got another LED that will tell you like if you're connected to it or not. You know, little. Little Ooh, things, and nice. there's a there's a little there's also three other LEDs that you can use that are RGB LEDs that you can light them up. You know, if you just you know, like if you hook into the REPL, you can evaluate forms, but then you're like, well, I want to actually do something. Yeah, um, yeah. So there's some LEDs right. on there that you can light, and there's GPOs you can hook it to other stuff. Um, nice. There's if you if you're interested in it, there's a part near the end of the Closure North talk where I give some demos of doing stuff um, mm -hmm. with the board that it actually interacts with the real world. Um, yeah, yeah. Nice. But yeah. But it's a, it's a fascinating journey, right? Taking closure script closer to the hardware, almost like yeah, near near native. So so mm -hmm. Mike, what about like getting closure script on even smaller devices? Where how you know did have you? Because I think you did try that. You tried to put it on some smaller devices at one point, didn't you? And uh, like partially loaded the. Partially the REPL and then sort of brought in other functions on demand. So you, so that's yeah. Like if you think about it, like Esperino works on even lower end hardware that yeah. does not have like enough RAM to hold off all of CLGS core. So mm -hmm. um, 
you could imagine arranging things so that you could at least establish your TCP connection into it. Mm. And then if you typed in something that said map, filter, whatever, and it hit those functions, it could perhaps fault them in. But I haven't gone that far. I've never built that that facility in. But that might work where you're like, ah, you know, because then it would fault in what it needs as it needs it. And then perhaps mm. that fits in the RAM that you have available. Um, okay. But yeah, it's it, it's an interesting journey. And, you know. Yeah. It's, but you said that uh, maybe maybe probably last question, you know, because mm-hmm. um, you said that Asperino is a kind of a smaller set of JavaScript, right? That's so, a subset, yeah. So mm-hmm. that didn't pose any problems for any of the ClojureScript compilation modes then so far. Um, so the main thing that I ran into is the lack of support for labels. Yeah. Um, and for some odd reason, uh, Google Closure Compiler emits labels uh, in okay. in the code. And and what's the reason I say it's odd is because when I look at them, you say, "Here, here's a label," um, and you go look at it, and the label seems to be unnecessary. Like it's just mm. it's just sitting there on a code block, so you can mm. remove it, right? Um, yeah. And it's like really weird because that's the whole point of Closure Compiler is to make the code be as small as it can. Mm. Uh, so that was to answer your question. That was one small problem. Uh, there's mm. some other things surrounding like, I can't remember, like little things here and there. And what we do is, <laughs> this is kind of painful. When you when you basically use the Esprit tooling to say, hey, make a ROM that I'm, that I'm going to put on there, it, mm-hmm. it basically does um, some a pass over the code and it modifies the code to remove labels and stuff like that. Oh, um, okay. <laughs> and, and that's the painful part is that it's not using anything to parse the JavaScript. It's just kind of like, Regular expressions, or <laughs> yeah, basically. And this is a this is actually kind of a thing that um, David Nolan, when one time I was talking to him about new things to add to the Closure Script compiler, mm-hmm. one of the things he has in mind is at at the um, I don't know if it's the back end of the compiler, the part where the code comes out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That part that emits the code. Yeah. Um, that part is kind of vulgar in the sense that it just spits out strings. It spits out mm. JavaScript. Um, and you could say, well, we could probably be a little bit more sophisticated and spit out like an AST or something like yeah. that, some sort of representation that could then further be manipulated by tools. And if yeah. it did that, then this this Esprit tool could say, oh, I'm going to go through and basically get rid of the labels programmatically more easily, hmm. things like that. Um, so there, there, are, there are a few things. And I was surprised though, like it actually like as far as there could be things lurking in there that haven't been discovered yet, but yeah. You know, when I set up a REPL and interact with it, everything works. Um, you know, I haven't yeah. been able to find some code that, that breaks it. Having said that, I just tried the latest version of the ClojureScript compiler that's not been released yet just to see if it would work, and it broke. There's something that <laughs> gets emitted with, like, arrays in a weird way that's, like, some, basically, like, you're, you're talking about some feature of JavaScript yeah, yeah, that, yeah. that it doesn't understand. Yeah, um, yeah. I think that's a, that's a fair point, right? Given all the constraints mm-hmm. and the amount of stuff that you're getting. And... and you you can have the complete closure core then, right? I mean, it's not just the, um, the first level functions, but also Jext and whatever, the, the things that are implemented using Map and Reduce and then higher level ones as well. The yeah, basically all of yeah. closure core. Yeah, Ooh. and and there's space to have even more like closure set and whatnot. So it's not like oh. it's completely full. Like if you, and if you have, I, I have, I don't know if I've even tried this. Like if say you wanted to use like core async or something, you know, some library <laughs> that's, you know, another <laughs> library. Um, yeah. You could bring those in as well, and and oh. they theori- theoretically would work. You know, it's nice. all there's nothing. It's this is not like self-hosted where it's like uh, maybe it'll work, maybe it won't. This is hmm. normal closure script, and the only real constraint is whether or not you have enough yeah, RAM yeah. to hold all of it, and hmm. whether or not 
Esperino's implementation of JavaScript can cope with whatever you yeah, throw yeah. to it. Uh, yeah. Nice. Super yeah. awesome. I think it's a, it's, a, it's a completely different topic so far. I think in the past four years, I think we, we never <laughs> went into this direction with closure, the lower direction towards the hardware and microcontroller levels so far. Yeah, yeah, it is novel. <laughs> Even to me, still, it's very novel. Um, yeah. yeah. It's super exciting because, I mean, we, we always talk about like the web you know, frameworks or, you know, whatever, closure in the front end or JVM and pretty mm -hmm. much all, you know, we, we are, we are kind of stuck in, in the, in the, you know, well, we don't care about memory, you know, we are already running Slack that is eating 20 gigabytes RAM. So yeah, who cares? Yeah. Yeah. This is a, a, a new like engineering challenge. How would you get yeah. this stuff to run on there? And even if like, let's say it's solved, let's say someday we come up with like a native version of a closure compiler, yeah. like, that would be just beneficial for like command line tools and whatnot. And, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Any anything we, or anything we might want to write, like even a server side program that's native, could yeah. be. I don't know if that's a good thing or not, but it would, <laughs> it would start up quickly, right? Like maybe yes. like if you're trying to do like um, what are they called AWS lambdas that where they need. Yeah, to yeah, yeah. Start yeah, yeah. super instant. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, nice. This is this is super exciting. Mm -hmm. I think um, so. People can. Order it from what is it again? I, I don't. I'm not familiar with all oh, this hardware. Oh, it's called Tindy. Websites. Yeah, yeah. Tindy. So okay. it, Tindy is a place where, like, if you make your own little project board or whatever, and you're like, ah, I just want to put it up there for people to buy. It's yeah, a yeah. marketplace for those kind of things. Oh, yeah. It's like okay. it's like Etsy for, for uh, yeah, Etsy like, for electronics. Yeah, basically. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It, it was kind of cool, like um, because the closure, closure, and closure script community took some interest in it at the time. This board went up near the top of that list on that on that marketplace. <laughs> nice. It's like, yeah, cool. Get, it's like <laughs> we're representing, we're like <laughs> we're showing, we're like basically introducing other people and and other what. I, this is ac actually truthful. Uh, there were other people in the hardware community. There was a bit of crossover where yeah. like people in the hardware community were like what this 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 language. That run a new another language that runs on MCUs, and they take an interest in that kind of stuff. And yeah. they're like, "Well, it's closure and closure script, so it's good for us, right?" It gets gets the whole closure and closure script name out there, <laughs> you know, to a new crowd yeah. of people. Yeah, yeah, so it, it opens up new uh, new audience. Yeah, new so, yeah. Well, you've been you've been on these uh, Alec, uh, embedded uh, podcasts, haven't you, Mike? They only run on ESP thirty twos now. <laughs> um, so I was. You have to buy a, them an ESP32 to listen to the podcast. That's, that's what yeah, Mike is doing now. <laughs> yeah, I've got the secret handshake now to get yeah. into those places. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you you can you can buy the closure script podcast version of ESP thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, but nice. you have been. I mean, in in all in all seriousness, you have been like spreading the word to these uh to these YouTube channels and other places, haven't mm -hmm. you? About like you know how it runs on these smaller CPUs, uh, smaller controllers. Yeah, yeah. It's it's kind of like you know, there's there's the closure community. There's also the hardware community, and there's a small intersection between the two. Yeah. <laughs> they meet. <laughs> nice. So yeah, but it is. It is super exciting, and um, yeah, I think I, I wow, uh, we are almost a pretty much a reasonable size of the <laughs> podcast already episode. Cool, yeah. But yeah. Um, this is super exciting stuff, Mike. I think um, we'll we'll put a link to Tendy's Tendy. Yeah, and you Tendi. can go check that out. Go go on Tendy and search for Closure Script, and yeah. you don't even have to buy one of those. Just go get one off of Amazon. And just mm. get one and mess with it just for the wow factor. You know, just to, like, exactly. you know, yeah. it's novel. You're like, oh man, I have like this yeah. little tiny thing running closure script. Yeah. 
I think cool. in, yeah. enough of a reframe work now. You know, just just go and run this <laughs> on a small <laughs> small microcontroller and then get excited. Yeah. I think that there is there is some sort of a visceral thing, right? I mean, and when you write these, you know, okay, this is the same feeling that you get mm-hmm. first time when you write JavaScript to run yeah. in a browser to do something. You know, that's so mm-hmm. exciting. And then now everything is layers and layers and layers, and then we we get used to it. But I think every time I do anything with with smaller dino board, I have and um, also on on NXT thing, it's it's kind of magic to see like I can control the RPM of that small uh, you know Lego motor with uh, with some C code somewhere, which is super exciting to see the yeah, real world movement like, stuff. The, the, the thing that this is, yeah. yes, yeah, and this thing's whole. It's just all about like empowerment now. Like if you go, yeah. if you know that this thing exists, if you say, ah, I want to do my Lego next thingy yeah. with Closure Script, you yeah. now know that you can. Yes. Um, it's it's pretty That's much right. all packaged up for you, and you can just go get it and mm-hmm. get one of these little boards and and hook it up to your system and yeah. and just knowing that you can do that is good to know, right? Because mm-hmm. who, yeah. who knows what you what kind of project you might be on next or some hobby thing you might try to do. You might yeah, want to yeah. build a cat feeder or something. Who knows? Exactly. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Important things in life. <laughs> yes, I think solving day to day problems properly with closure. Yeah, <laughs> instead of building yet another web application. But super nice. Yeah. Uh, cool. Yeah. It's uh, super exciting, Mike. I think thank, thanks a lot for explaining all the all the stuff. I know and it's, it's still. Oh, I feel like it's yeah, still pretty think... pretty. You know, um, uh, hardware. Uh, how do you call that? Like level <laughs> stuff that that I don't understand that much. But I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure you know, uh, bringing closure script there is is like an awesome stuff. So you can actually repel into something and into into the microcontroller, which is amazing. But I'm I'm pretty sure I think this is a supported by your company as well so uh, much yeah much. vouch vouch has supported me and and um and making all this yeah it's very much the case so they're, yes. they're vouching yeah. for your cljs boards oh, yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> well i think it's interesting with the uh with these these boards you know to some extent in the whole iot world is just the cost of the boards is so low hmm. um you know that you can you can afford to buy them just for fun you know you don't yeah. have to spend a thousand euros on these things. <laughs> yeah, the main chip, if you were to buy, so I think the Amazon boards that you can get are like on the round of U.S. dollars, fifteen dollars, fifteen wow. U.S. dollars, mm-hmm. somewhere around there. Okay. If you get the actual ESP32 chip, and you like design, if you're into making your own boards and you want to mm-hmm. solder one onto something, the chip itself is like three or four U.S. dollars um, for one of those. Uh, and and that's you know like if you were to actually just get the chip by itself, that's getting down to like a dollar or less, you know. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So if you ever want to make something inexpensive, um, you know. Yeah, you just use one of these things, yeah, yeah. and then write closure script on it. <laughs> yep, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Nice. So you're not gonna, you're not gonna. I mean, I think if you go and buy Mike's chip, it's not gonna break the bank. <laughs> no. <laughs> If nothing else, it's a nice little like uh, souvenir in your uh, bookshelf or something for the next pandemic. Hey, it is. It yeah. has Rappel LEDs. What else do you want? I mean, yeah, so for the next <laughs> pandemic, you can have it in the background and impress your friends. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Like on your Zoom call, certainly this is going to be something that you can show. And then, exactly. And then maybe, maybe hook it up to, I don't know, like a network Rappel or something so everybody can collaboratively turn on the lights on. <laughs> Share it on a Tmux thing. Nice. Okay. On that cool. um, shiny REPL note, uh, I think we reached the end of the episode number 69. And um, I think uh, we are pretty much starting again with Mike. So, you know, 
Yeah. So super, super excited to have you maybe, back, Mike. And, yeah, maybe another yeah. four or five years from now, I'll be back on again. <laughs> <laughs> Next time with, with you know, complete closure script running, you know, natively on, on the on the microcontroller. Who oh, knows? No, it'll be like a quantum computer at that time. Right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Five years. Quantum closure. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> quantum closure. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe if it is quantum closure, then you know it won't be forward in the time. We'll go backward in the time. We can just time jump to anything, you know. Yeah, that's yeah. true. So that's going to be crazy. Yeah. Then yeah. wormhole. Yeah. So it, it doesn't necessarily be the future. So it, it might be in the past. Who knows? So we'll <laughs> we'll open a time warp thingy like MCU. <laughs> we we come back to MCU to MCU like microcontroller units to Marvel Cinematic Universe. <laughs> <laughs> Back to square one. Okay, so that's it from us for this episode. And um, yeah, so go and check out the stuff on Tendi. Uh, search for Closure Script and then get your REPL on your microcontroller, the ESP. Uh, I don't know what ESP means. It sounds like extra sensory perception or something. I don't yeah, know. I don't but know what it means either, actually. <laughs> no yeah. I think it's from the company, probably. Um, so yeah, I think that's it from us, Mike. Thanks a lot. And Thank you, um, yeah. yeah. So keep listening and then uh, keep uh, hacking. Now you can even hack hardware with ClojureScript. So what is stopping you? So have fun. Thank you for listening to this episode of DefN. And the awesome vegetarian music or the track is Melon Hamburger by Pizzeri. And the show's audio is mixed by Walter Dullert. I'm pretty sure I butchered his name. Um, maybe you should insert your own name here, Dullert. Walter. If you'd like to support us, uh, please do check out our Patreon page and you can show your appreciation to all the hard work or the lack of hard work that we're doing. And um, you can also catch up with uh, either Ray with me for some unexplainable reason. Uh, you want to interact with us, then uh, do check us out on Slack, Closure in Slack or Closureverse or on Zulip or just at us at Defen Podcast on Twitter. Enjoy your day and see you in the next episode.